This podcast is listener supported. To help us out, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Red Bull Rant. The Red Bull Rant is a free-flowing podcast with three soccer-loving idiots who don't know when to shut their dumb potty mouths. So listener discretion, yeah, it's it's pretty much advised. Welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends. This is the Red Bull Ram Podcast, the official Red Bull Podcast of SB Nation and What's a Metro. I'm your host, Jason Ipico. I'm Pat McDonald. I'm Truman, and this is episode 175, opening go! Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, shit. Talk about opening dough. I just completely knocked my mic off of the table. Turn my mic on! There he goes. <laughs> I, I followed up the Red Bulls opening game with my knife, <laughs> knocking my mic off of my table. So. A gaff of your own. It's a shame. Yep, that's a serious gaff on my part. I am not editing that because I don't care. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, talk about a uh, uh, an opening weekend, huh? One one for the books there. Nice uh, two nothing loss to open up the year. Such a, such a great feeling, isn't it? Oh, it's wonderful! It's nothing yeah. like being there and watching that shit show. Yeah, fantastic! I was sort of, that. It kind of makes me glad I wasn't there. And honestly, the Red Bulls didn't play terrible up until the penalty. But I mean, I'm just glad I wasn't there because I saved myself two hours of driving time each way, mm. two hours in that stadium, and all that other stuff that goes along with it. So at least there's that. Yeah. All right. So as we usually do. We're completely going to forget recapping the game because we don't do that shit here. We're no. going to get into our likes and dislikes of the game. And as usual, we will do dislikes first so we can end, try to end on a happy note. So, Pat, first game of the year, what is your dislike? I mean, I think, uh, you know, a big dislike is that the team, at least for one game, forgot to finish, you know, forgot to know how to learn, you know, remember how to finish. Uh, you know, they're, they're now, that's the thing about this game is the Rebels had their chances. They had, they controlled large portions of the match and they even had some good shots on goal, but you know, they just simply did not put them away. And, uh, you know, that led to, <clears throat> that just kept Toronto in the game just by being thoroughly outplayed for large portions and enabled them to steal, steal the match at the end. So, um, you know, I, I'm definitely not hitting the panic button. I definitely think that's something they'll correct sooner than later. Um, but uh, that that's got to be the big dislike for me is that they just simply did not put their golden chances away. You, you pretty much took the words uh, right out of my mouth. <laughs> that's exactly what was my was going to be my dislike, but I can certainly change it. Uh, really, their best shot all game uh, hit the side of the net. Mm-hmm. That was really probably their best chance. Uh, they had one go off the uh, the bar, but. It was tough, man. It was really tough. Uh, but what I'm going to pile on to my dislike, not only the finishing, but they really only played great soccer for about a half hour. It really took about to the 55th minute before they started kind of uh, turning the game up and turning the pressure on. And that's really when they got a bunch of their chances. Uh, but, yeah, you just saw, like, opportunity after opportunity slip by. It was brutal, and the longer they kept them in the game, they were just setting themselves up for failure, and uh, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I've heard it mentioned multiple times in different places. Um, basically, it looked like the Toronto game was an extension of how the Red Bulls finished off the playoffs against uh, Columbus. And they're right. Um, this, I said this last year, that the biggest problem with high-pressure systems is, especially when you allow your fullbacks to join the attack, is that you leave yourself open to the counter, and that's what bit the Red Bulls both times. Uh, on the penalty kick, Toronto was smart enough to play against uh, the ball to the Zubar side of the, the uh, defensive back line because uh, Gideon Ba was just shutting down everybody all day. So Zubar can't get back and defend the cross. And then um, the cross from Javinko, which, while it was good, I, it looked like it might have actually have not connected if nothing had happened. But then Kamar Lawrence comes in. And, and honestly, if Kamar Lawrence, I don't blame him for trying to make a play because he had to. And then he unfortunately just clipped his guy and gave away the penalty kick. And then, of course, the second one was just one-on-one, which, you know, it's 95% of the time. There's no way Robles is going to stop that, so you can't really blame him in that one. No, that was pretty much the old, that was like the pull of the goalie because they only had three defenders at that point. And yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. those goals are going to happen. Yeah, it was a garbage time goal. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, in terms of the, the first goal, I mean, I, again, I know you some for some reason don't like the system, Jay. Even though it's a great system, I didn't but, say I don't uh, like the system. Yeah, I just, was, I just point out a flaw. That's all. I mean, you know, last year you're like, ah, oh, they'll never get it right if they keep playing this system, and then they got it right. But uh, you know, it wasn't the system's fault even on that play. I mean, really, it was Kamar Lawrence fell asleep. I mean, if you watch that play, you know, he's sitting there jogging back, and then all of a sudden he realizes, you know, he's got this guy ten yards in front of him, wide open for a goal. And he's sprinting to catch him up. It wasn't because he was caught up see, upfield. It's because the same thing, actually, if you want to point back to the Columbus Crew game, what, um, you know, the problem would be is that this defense sometimes brain farts. And that is what happened on that play is Kamar Lawrence could have easily covered him. And he just fell asleep on the play and caught up way too late. Oh, I'm not excusing Lawrence for not doing his job. I'm just saying that – and and. I forget. Duvall was starting this game, right? I honestly can't remember who was starting on that side of the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to say it was Zubar and Duvall, I think, that were trying to cover. Is that... Well, tac- it, was, it was Taxi and uh, and Zizo on the wings for the defense. Oh, okay, wow. Jeez, that's how much I did blocked out this game. I didn't even remember who started <laughs> on the wings. Um, so I think it was both Zizo and, uh, and uh, Zubar that were trying to defend that cross, and they just couldn't do it, so... That penalty kick was part failure stopping the cross and then part failure Kamar Lawrence not realizing what was going on and hustling back. But my, my, my point of all that was that high pressure invites counters. It's just, it's just natural. It's, it's going to happen. And the Red Bulls in this game were not able to do it. Like in the, in the Columbus series, if you look at the first game, the Red Bulls almost got caught on the counter a few times. And there were some great spectacular plays by people, especially Felipe Martin – I think defended like a two-on-one, like to perfection that like nothing happened. And I'm not saying the defense can't do it. I guess in this case, defense couldn't do its job. But um, the defense just has to know what's going on and be ready for that counter because the system of high pressure in general just allows or invites that pressure on a counterattack. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I just, you know, I think you're wrong. You know, I mean, I think you're right in your point that it invites the counter, counter, but I don't think that was the issue on this play. I think it was just quite simply Kamar Lawrence losing his man. Well, uh, yeah, that's part of it. And then, of course, the other part is Zubar not being good enough to defend that cross. But that's another 
But yeah, we won't I, have I, to worry about that come Saturday. So, yeah. And by the way, uh, if you don't understand what I'm saying, Zubar has been officially suspended for one game for his tackle in the 47th minute. That was only, I think, a yellow card at the time. So, no team likes to get disciplined more after the game than the New York Red Bulls. You know, you know what was sad? Um, I did a three questions thing for the um, Toronto C blog, and they were asking me about uh, Carl Wimet. And I'm like, he's not going to see the field unless Zubar gets injured or suspended. Boom. I know that I was going to be right only one week into the <laughs> And he'll make his season debut in Canada, so that's fitting. Against his old team, which only, <laughs> which at least, hey, at least there's that. Um, all right, but let's talk about what we liked about this game. Uh, Chum, you go first. What did you like about this one? Uh, the play of Gideon Ba for playing a guy in his first game. He was absolutely lights out. He was great. Uh he was schooling forwards with the ball. His defensive plays were just unbelievable inside the box, making great, uh, perfectly timed slide tackles to uh, push the ball away. It looks like he's been here forever uh, for a debut game where I'm sure he could be nervous playing in a uh, you know, new place with new fans. He was absolutely fantastic. And uh, knock on wood, this is the kind of guy you're going to see all year. He, he was great. Uh, there's nothing else to like besides that. Yeah, I completely 100% agree. Uh, Gideon Ba is, uh, you know, the, the guy that the one thing to like in this game, his, his everything Kuma said is, you know, his play on the ball was fantastic. Uh, he kept Jubinko in his pocket for a majority of the match. Um, you know, his, his passing was great. I mean, really the, it would almost seem we have a faster, albeit shorter version of Matt Miazga, someone with vision, a bit more ball skill, and, you know, it, it's just, you know, it looks like it's only one game, um, but hopefully this is the guy we're going to see for the whole season, and then it looks like they won't skip a beat with uh, losing Miazga. Uh, I'll go slightly different. I'll go Luis Robles, um, because except for the two goals, which, honestly, come on, stopping a penalty kick in one-on-one, you can't really blame him for those because the odds are not in his favor in either situation. But he did make some saves again keeping this team in the game, doing like he's done, you know, so many times in the past few years he's been with this team, uh, continues to be a bright spot, and hopefully, again, he can continue this streak, which he, like, we always keep saying whenever this stuff happens that we hope he can continue, and then he always does. I I dread the day when, I ha- when he can't, when, when he has, like, a really bad game, because uh, right now the defense obviously needs time to gel, they need time to get, you know, going on the same page. The offense needs apparently it's time to um, find their finishing touch, even though the offense has remained unchanged since last year when they led the league in goals. But as long as Robles can be there as a rock, then the Red Bulls have a good chance of winning games. So kind of sucks when uh, the whole preseason you're gunning up for uh, Verone to play, and then the week the week of he's out. Yeah, and he's and he's going to be out again next week, which or this week, which is not great. So. And I think that's in some respects, I think that's the product of why. I mean, you would think because all these guys played together last year, um, you know, they, they wouldn't skip a beat. But this is why, you know, you practice. You know, this is why you don't take weeks off. It, you know, I think they practice so hard that four-two-two with Verone there up top with uh, BWP. So when they had to put Grella in there, it just didn't it wasn't as fluid. It didn't work as well. Um, so I, I think once Verone gets back and gets on the field, if they're uh, insistent on the four-two-two, we're going to see a stark contrast in production. If, I mean, if you want to look at the overall quality of the game, the Red Bulls did control play almost the entire yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Their defense was great for 80 minutes. For 80 minutes, the defense played very, very well. Yep. 
And like we said, the biggest issue was they couldn't finish. Uh, and really, that was it. And then you give up that penalty goal, which Robles guessed right on. Mm-hmm. You know, he just he just missed it by probably a few fingertips lengths, honestly. And then they gave the counter attack, uh, the, the that little counter goal. So it's definitely not something to uh, flip out over. It's definitely not a fire the team kind of game. Nope. Just uh, a lot of bad luck and just uh, lack of finishing. Nope. If they finished early in that game, they could have had three goals and would have won. Nope, rebel out. <laughs> yeah, we got to get that cranked up again. I I, I said at halftime that they should have been winning, and it probably should have been two nothing at least at halftime. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And on and honestly, that that's what killed the Red Bulls the most. This game was their finishing, and it's probably early season stuff. But it's let, let's just hope that doesn't continue. That's all I'm going to say. It'll get better. All right. So uh, predictions. None of us wrong, 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 wrong. Well, no, no, I don't think anyone thinks Toronto's going to win for their first time at Red Bull Arena. That's for sure. Uh, the only part, the only part that anybody got right about this prediction was I said Toronto was going to score two goals. I did say two nothing, unfortunately. You did, but on the wrong <laughs> side. That kind of matters in a prediction contest, though. Sort of, a little bit. Well, the good thing is the Bizarro me got it right. So there you go. Yeah, eh, at least there's that. In Bizarro world, I'm I'm up. All right. Um. I think that's it for the game. Is there anything you guys want to talk about? Uh, no, not really, except for I brought my one friend who was a big TFC fan, and I didn't like that I had to drive him home afterwards. So yeah. that kind of sucked. Gross. Yeah, what were you thinking? Yeah, I know. What a mistake. I thought this was a gimme, for sure. Well, I got, we all did. So I mean, Send, uh, send him home crying. Yeah. Uh, Pat, you got anything else? Uh, not in that game. Nope, I'm good. All right. Uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, We're going to have on with us from Empire of Soccer, Mr. Dave Martinez. We'll be back with more Red Bull Rants right after this. I know that guy. Welcome back to the Red Bull Rant. We want to welcome back onto the show uh, the founder, operator, owner, whatever you want to call him, of Empire Soccer, Mr. Dave Martinez. Dave, welcome back to the show. Always happy to be on, guys. Nothing exciting going on where you are, right? Just a nice, quiet <laughs> evening. Oh, God. So let's let's pull the curtain back to the listeners. Um, I am currently in Flushing on a side street. Uh, my wife is in a restaurant with my boy, uh, me and my daughter are sitting in the car. She's passed out. And as we're preparing for Red Bull Rant, uh, lo and behold, I look up to my left, and I'm getting a sucky, sucky sign from an Asian hooker, <laughs> which, which, is, uh, which can only happen which can only happen when you're calling into Red Bull Rant. Uh, <laughs> me thinking, this is a perfectly safe place, no big deal, and I'm getting the sucky, sucky sign. From an Asian hooker, which is uh, which is great, and I, I don't even know where to begin with that or lead into. I'll, I'll leave that up to you, but that's that's what's going on with my life. Well, well, speaking of sucky, how about Sunday? Yeah. Oh my God, freaking Truman is a genius. That, that is perfect. They call me the Segway. <laughs> except he, except he actually runs better than the Segway. So, yeah. so yeah, they were pretty yeah. terrible, huh? Well, not, not yeah, terrible, they, but they weren't good. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say that. You know, look, for, for 85 minutes, they were playing the Red Bulls possession game, and they were. it was kind of reminiscent of last year's playoffs when we saw the Red Bulls kind of stall out in the final third, be kind of uncreative, uh, didn't know where to go with the ball and offense and find that little opening that they needed to score. Because let's face it, for 85 minutes, they owned Toronto. They really did. But they couldn't get off a shot, and that is so reminiscent of last year. And speaking of reminiscing, the other part that really caught me was that it looked like the Red Bulls were once again exposed on the tactical end as well. You have to credit Toronto for what they did. They they stayed back, they were disciplined, they were defensive, and they, they were really lethal on the counter. They got more shots on goal than the Red Bulls, and they were being outpossessed 60-40, to 40, I believe. So that's that's a huge that's a huge compliment to Greg Vanny and his men. Uh, having said that, the Red Bulls on offense just looked putrid. They couldn't find their way to net. Uh, they couldn't find any ideas. Might that change when Gonzalo Vidal comes back? Who knows? But right now, that, that was that was a rather uninspiring way to start the season. I, I was saying earlier that the best shot they had went off the side of the net. How bad is that? Oh, absolutely, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, this is uh, this is a concern but nothing to be truly worried about. You know, Jesse Marsh made a great point uh, coming out of practice, I believe, on Tuesday. Uh, he was talking a bit about where they are in the season and the system, and he's right. You know, the Red Bull system requires his men to be a top-form, top-level, to gag and press the hell out of anybody that decides to go after them. But if you don't have the stamina to do it, if you're not up to the quality and standard that you need to be to execute, then that gagging press is going to work against you. And that's what happened with uh, with Toronto. By the end of the game, there were tired legs, the, the creativity was vapid, and Toronto struck when they needed to strike. That was when they needed to strike. That was the difference maker in, in this matchup for sure. It's tough. It's, you know, I, of course, love to poo-poo Toronto every year. Uh, some other prognosticators really uh, favored them a lot. But I, I don't know. I mean, aside from the this, this score... It certainly wasn't pretty on either side. Um, we also want to heap a lot of praise on Gideon Bach because he was clearly the oh. best player on the Red Bulls. Oh, absolutely. Two things from what you just said. Number one, speaking of prognosticators, for your boy Daniel Feuerstein to say that Toronto is going to be winning the Shield, they're going to be up there, that is insanity to me. You right? <laughs> you can't possibly say that out of all the teams. How could you say that about Toronto? Toronto who each and every year get everybody's hopes up and each and every year fall well short of those hopes. So I had to get that off my chest. Thank you for that segue. Um, <laughs> but going going back to the topic, Gideon Ba was tremendous. I was so impressed with Ba. Uh, his ability to tra- and this is something that people didn't really pick up on much. He was playing center back, fine and dandy. He was going off onto fullback as well. He was playing at left fullback and allowing Kamar Lawrence to push up. That's something Miazga wasn't doing. Uh, ba has an ability here, and he's got a he's got a great ability, I believe, to be a, a distributor to to give the Red Bulls different looks when they're going up on offense. And him and Zubar, I, I got to give Zubar credit. I know we're probably going to touch on his suspension. But he looked healthy. He looked good. He had a motor. He beat Giovinco to the ball on several occasions. So as far as Gideon Ba and Zubar goes, fitness-wise, uh, quality, I see it being at a much better level than I thought they were going to be heading into the season. So you mentioned the suspension on Zubar. We might as well bring it up. Um, sure. We, we touched on it real quick in the first part. With, you know, he's tackling the 47th minute. Um, what I kind of want to know is – I. You know, it probably is deserved. He probably should have gotten more 
uh, than he got at the game itself. But what about the foul in the first half? Or wait, no, wait, I guess it was in the second half. I can't remember when it was. Against Zizzo, where he basically got chopped down from behind and got nothing for it. I mean, say what you want about the suspension, but it, it feels like, and it feels like this for years, but it feels like MLS and the referees don't know how to be consistent in interpreting the rules. Well, I think that that's the biggest complaint uh, behind the MLS disciplinary committee. You have to establish a certain a certain standard when it comes to your suspensions. And I believe that over the years, and there's been several occasions, uh, if I knew we were touching on this topic, I would have researched it a bit more, but there's been several occasions that you'll see a foul one week to the next, and one week it's a suspension, the next week it's not. Uh, I, I've never quite understood that. Now, do I think Zubar deserved a suspension uh, based on prior uh, decisions by the disco? Yeah, sure. Uh, but in general, I find them to be wildly inconsistent, and and that's what bothers me on uh, on that level and, and on several other levels of MLS. You know, there's there seems to be this idea in Major League Soccer that we could set the rules week week to week, or we set the standard week to week, and it shouldn't be the case. You know, whether it be free agency, whether it be uh, what we're seeing right now with uh, with a disciplinary committee, uh, there should be a set standard, a market standard for what constitutes a foul. Uh, for what constitutes a suspension, and it just—it's so hard to call on a play-by-play basis. I don't believe that after what is it, three years now that we've had the disco, I still don't think that they've set a, a good enough standard for people to say, okay, you know what, that was deserving or that wasn't. I, I thought the game overall. Uh... I mean, we hate bashing refs. We really do, except for Jay. I thought overall that game wasn't well officiated because there was a lot of, I don't know, plays that he didn't see. And then, of course, you know, there's the old revenge slide tackles uh, all over the field. And that's the kind of stuff that could just drive you crazy. Definitely not another reason uh, why either team won or lost, but certainly frustrating to see it. In the first game, you're already getting mad at the officials. Yeah, and, you know, everybody, to be fair, everybody is still in preseason mode. Even the uh, even the Red Bull players, uh, any any player, any coach, any referee at this point is still in is uh, still in preseason form. So I'm willing to give them a pass in the beginning, but again, it is very frustrating. We last year I think was a banner year for awful when it came to referee calls. Uh, each and every week there seemed to be something just mind-boggling happening, uh, whether it be with the Red Bulls or otherwise. Uh, to see it happening in the first game of the season, even if it was a, to a smaller extent. It's a little, uh, it's a little concerning, and considering that MLS has uh, again dedicated resources, has created initiatives to improve the officiating, uh, I'm starting to wonder, you know, when are we going to start seeing results? Again, I don't want to kill them on week one, but it's been a consistent slippery slope slide with these referees, uh, where each and every year the calls just seem to be getting worse and worse and worse as the play gets better. You know, for the majority of the preseason, the Rebels have been working on the four-two-two. Uh, formation primarily with Gonzalo Verón there up top with uh, what? What'd you say, Jay? Four two two. I said you said four two two. Don't forget oh. the extra two. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jay! Add on the last two for savings. I beat you to it, Truman. Jesus. All right. The four triple two. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they they've been spending the majority of the preseason. Uh, working on the four-two-two-two with uh, Gonzalo Verón there up top. Uh, do you think Verón's absence played a large part in the lack of creativity, uh, and that they specifically worked with him so much at that position? Well, sure, because I think that Verón is a big reason why the four-two-two-two was installed to begin with. It's not 
I, I don't think that it was something that was cast upon the team. I think that Veron has said since he's come aboard with the Red Bulls that he plays better centrally. If he can connect with Bradley Wright Phillips, then that would be a reason to start looking at options that are, you know, two forward, dual forward uh, options. And the 4-2-2 works in that, in that direction. I, I'll, look, I was very impressed by what I saw from Veron and from BWP in that Jacksonville Armada preseason friendly. They were fantastic. And it wasn't just the way that they de- deconstructed the defense. It was the intelligence on and off the ball. They were reading each other so well. Um, they were unselfish. They were both willing to go on net and attack, attack, attack. Mike Grella is a fantastic option, but I don't think he has that creativity and flair that Gonzalo Veron has. So I do believe that the, the team suffered in Veron's absence. You have to see it happen, of course, that kind of, that kind of output. You have to see it happen in, uh, in regular season play. But considering what we've seen this preseason from the men, and from the Red Bulls in that four two two two, I think that it's a it's a strong option for them, um, and Veron is a big reason why they have it to begin with. So yeah, I think they missed him on uh, on Sunday. I think they if you have Veron, then you can possibly break down that that Toronto defense much more effectively than they did this weekend. And and you know for a long time, despite all his goals, I think Bradley Wright Phillips works best uh, with a with another forward on his side. I, I don't think that he's uh, at his best, or it serves him best to have him be the single forward up top. He scored tons of goals in that position, don't get me wrong. But I think he could be even more devastating with the proper partner. Does it make you nervous when you're watching a game like that and really the first option off the bench was a the still unproven uh, Abang? He's, he's still a young kid, and that's really the first uh, scoring option. And, and mind you, they were only down like one top offensive player in Verone, and here comes a young kid, and there's really I, nothing else out there on that bench. Well, Kerman, that's what I've been saying. Look, they, there is, uh, and I've been getting killed for this also, but the Red Bulls did nothing this offseason to reinforce their lineup. Instead, they sold this promise of homegrown players to the Red Bull fan base and the Red Bull fan base, who have been aching, pining for homegrown players to get a chance, they ate it up. They loved it. But let's be honest with each other here. Whether you're Barcelona, Bayern Munich, uh, Manchester United, City, all the top teams in the world, they go out into the market, and they don't just develop from within. They have to get those veterans from the outside to reinforce. You can do both, and the Red Bulls did not do both. The only free agent they got was Gideon Ba, and that is because they were forced to. They had to because Miyazu was gone. Otherwise, you just have you have seven homegrowns that came through the system, were signed on this preseason. Two have already been cut. So they're leaning on players that they had last year, like Gonzalo Verdell, like Sean Wright Phillips, and looking at them as your free agent offseason signings. That's a bit of a stretch. I would have liked to have seen them be a bigger player in the free agent market. I get that. This is a different Red Bull team, different philosophy, perhaps a different way of spending the money. I get all of that. But if you want to improve, if you want to take that next step, that next level, you have to invest. And I don't think that they did that properly this offseason. I'm 100% with you right there. You know, the fans always do clamor over the homegrown. They've been talking about it for about, I don't know, seven years. Exactly. And now they're getting it, and now you're going to see the results. And maybe it'll be positive. Maybe Red Bull 2 will be the best team in USL, but, you know, wait so and see on that you, one. You just kind of led into my uh, quest, next question. Um, so this, this is something I've 
talked about with uh, some people in private, but uh, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts and opinion are. Um, sure. So, like you mentioned, the Red Bull signed seven homegrowns. They released two. Um, most likely, we'll probably see those names show up on a USL roster at some point in the near future. Um, to what degree do you think that signing those seven players had to do with protecting uh, the Red Bulls in the draft and possibly just you know getting those players a sort of a payday before they go down to USL? No, it's it's half and half. I don't know about the payday part, but it is kind of half and half. First off, if you have a if you have a crop of young players that are going to be snatched up across the league after you've invested so much money into them through your academy, damn right you're going to want to hold on to them. And that's something that Andy Roxburg, Eric Soler, I mean all these all these GMs and sporting directors in the past have not been able to do. Here comes Ali Curtis. Ali Curtis, uh, guys, if you from what I've understood over the past year, from ex-players, from players currently on the team, from people that have negotiated with him, uh, he's a hell of a negotiator. He's a hell of a businessman, and when it comes to negotiations, he's rough. He's tough. He'll do whatever he needs to do to better the team, and that is his objective. His objective is not to uh, to baby homegrown players into a lineup. His objective is let me better this team. If there's a cheap way of doing it, I'm going to do it as well. And you know what? What better way to get a return on your investment at, at, at Red Bull Academy and to reinforce your club than to bring on these young players, have them avoid the draft, and come on board and maybe, just maybe, give them a chance to crack the senior team. What I think that Ali Curtis went a little too far this year, and again, this is early, and this could absolutely blow up in my face later, <laughs> but I, I don't see these kids being some extraordinary class of talent. Uh, you know, I just finished watching a documentary. I think it's called 1992. It's on Manchester United's uh, youth. Um, youth. Uh, I think it's 1990, something like that. It's about their uh, their youth academy coming up with these great, you know, gigs. Beckham, these great players in one of their classes that really shocked Europe and won everything. The Red Bulls have great talent in their academy. They're winning everything at the youth level, and I commend them for taking the chance on these youth players, but. I don't think that you're looking at a Giggs or a Beckham situation here. I think you're looking at some very good kids that can make an impact eventually on a team that is set and, and really in place to make that next step. You've won the Supporters' Shield two times in the past three years. You have a fantastic system under Jesse Marsh. You have a shrewd sporting director in, in Ali Curtis. And the Red Bulls, as far as the organization, Austria goes, they still have a tight purse string. I think it's time to open that up just a little bit and bring on some veterans this off season, uh, this uh, excuse me, the summer window. Reinforce the club and make a strong run towards the MLS Cup, which is where they should be. Here, here. Amen on that one for sure. You know, I, I think there's, there's, I think Ali Curtis. To go back to that point, he's kind of almost rushed his 300 pace plan for year two. Uh, I think that he that he's decided to go to double up on the homegrowns at a time where the team needed more investment from outside. There's nothing wrong with that, but I believe he's rushing the steps to get to his ultimate goal instead of mixing and matching the two, bringing in free agents and cultivating the youth guys. All right, so the Red Bulls opened their season uh, with dropping a uh, match at home to Toronto C. Next week they head up to Stade Olympique to face a Didier Drogba free Montreal impact. Um, what do you see have do you see them rebounding uh, this upcoming Saturday against Montreal, uh, or is it time for Red Bull fans to hit the panic button? 
<laughs> no, I think it's, it's it's way too early for the panic button. Look, even if they go to Montreal and lose, it's too early for the panic button. You're not healthy. You're not 100%. They're not going to have Zubar. I like Carl Womet. He's great. But, again, I think Zubar is a better option. You don't have that on up there. So, no, I think, look, I think you get a pass. If you're, if you're an MLS team, you get a pass from March into April. If you're not performing by May, then you might have a reason to, to have a bit of concern. But right now the team is still in a bit of flux. They're just getting their legs underneath them. And it's all about the system, right? So if they're not up to fitness for that system, the system is just not going to work. And everybody's going to do what Toronto did because the Red Bulls have no answer for it. They're going to sit back. They're going to counter the, the hell out of you. And they're going to wait for you to make mistakes. That's what Toronto did. Montreal is equally capable of doing it. And I think that that is going to be, in the short term, what's going to either make or break the Red Bulls early in the season. Later on, once they get their legs together, once they have, uh, once they start gelling, they, they have their, their tactics on the right page, uh, I think you have a different story. But early on, I think it's going to be tough for them. No, no uh, score prediction? Not going to throw one out there for us? Yeah, I think they're going to lose. <laughs> I think they're going to drop it. I think they're going to go down 2-1. to one. And I don't think it's a reason to panic. I, I really, really don't. I found it, again, to go on a tangent, which I seem to do a lot on the show, I, I found it really weird that people are coming up with That's So Metro on your first week of the season. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Uh, you're having, you're, you have three years' worth of success that you're building upon. This isn't that club anymore, and you're throwing out That's So Metro? I'm sorry, it's not the playoffs, it's not important, it's the first game of the year, a little bit of patience will go a long way, and I think that Red Bull fans need to keep that in mind when they look at this club. I know you want them to be dominating, you want them to build and just be strong every week, but to go that's so Metro after one result, come on. Come Silliness. on. It's, Silliness. It's silly, it's silly, let it go, it just give it a little bit of patience, a little bit of time, things will gel and make your decisions on whether or not this Red Bull team is going to stink or not sometime in May or June. For now, a little patience for what they've built. Uh, I think that is uh, not asking too much. Hmm. All right. Sorry, uh, Pat, you got a, you got one more thing to say. Yeah, I got yeah, one yeah. final question. Yeah, speaking of uh, funny titles, how is the uh, the documentary based on NYCFC's first season called Win! Exclamation Point? Oh, my God. I, I, just, <laughs> I just... I mean... I have no words. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's awesome that they're going to be a Tribeca. That's great. That's totally cool. But to, to call a documentary win based off of last season, when I personally know it wasn't just off the field that was losing. There was a lot off, <laughs> off the field. Off, like, on the field was bad. Off the field may have been worse, and you're calling the season win? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, the, just have a little bit – have a little bit of, of consciousness, uh, understanding, uh, self, self-understanding self of, of where you are. I, I just, I don't understand that. Congratulations for getting in Tribeca. Congratulations for, again, another marketing hit for the club. <laughs> but the hubris in calling it win is just, I, I have no words. I, I really don't. I really don't. So... Here, here's a uh, quick question, and then we'll let you go. Um, no, so, I have a question. Last oh, oh, question. Okay, okay. Go, please. Okay. Um, so, along with that NYCFC film, are we going to see a trend here? Because we had Sons of Ben self-promote themselves, even though they were not the reason that Philadelphia got a soccer team. We had New York City FC promote their own selves, even though they weren't winning. 
Um, can we expect Minnesota United and Atlanta United and LAFC to do something on their own when they get in this league? You know, it would be it would be smart to. I mean, look, you again, say what you will about NYCFC, but their marketing is on point, man. There, there's, it's amazing. I tell everybody this, and it pisses everybody off. I don't care. Uh, the Red Bulls won last year on the field, but NYCFC won the fans of New York City. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, they put so much money behind their marketing machine and their big-name DPs and faces that you see blue jerseys all over the place. I mean, they have truly taken on New York City uh, and made it their own in year one, and they didn't have to win to do it, uh, unless you're looking at the documentary's title. They really didn't have to win to do it. Uh, That is uh, amazing to me. So... Yes, if Atlanta United wants to spend that money to create a documentary to get more hits on, fine, great. I mean, <laughs> keep on doing what you have to do. I would like to see the Red Bulls start doing that. I'd like to see more billboards. I'd like to see more commercials. In in general, I find this MLS opening week to have been one of the weaker ones in recent years. Not the action, but the build-up. I, I didn't find the marketing campaign to be up to par anywhere. Yeah, yeah for I, sure. I, I, you know, I was on vacation, like, the week... Uh, I, I got back from vacation a week before the season started, and I just felt nothing. Like, oh, there's a game on Sunday. Nothing. Not even commercials on, on TV stations. Nothing on Yes, nothing on MSG, nothing. Nothing. There, nothing. Even on ESPN. I, where was the where was the buildup? I know it's not year 20, but 21 is supposed to be pretty <laughs> supposed to be pretty special in the life of, of anybody. As a That's person, right. As an organization. Party know, we're drinking now. Like, yeah, we're drinking. <laughs> you know? that's, what, that's what happened. The league got drunk and forgot. You know what? Yes, that's exactly it. They kind of blacked <laughs> out. They woke up the next day. It's like, oh, God damn it. What did I do? <laughs> All right, so my last question real quick. Uh, on a scale of one being Max Moon and ten being Shawn Michaels, Uh-oh. how watchable is WrestleMania going to be? Oh, no. Why would you ask me that? Because uh, he has to. Because <laughs> you're on the show. It's just awful. I, I watch it. Again, this is this is almost as disgusting as naming a, a film win after losing season. <laughs> Roman Reigns cannot get over by himself. You should, have turned, you should have turned Roman Reigns two months ago. He should have turned. He should have gone heel. I know Vince McMahon doesn't like heel and face. He should have turned a long time ago. Uh, Y2AJ is a ridiculous way to set up a match that we've already seen. Three times. times. Everybody everybody loves New Day, but I find their act to be almost racist. Like, I don't like New Day. I don't like what they do because I find it to be just very cheap stuff. And to have Shane McMahon for absolutely no reason fighting The Undertaker and have Undertaker come out the next week and say, Vince, do you know what you're doing? What I'm going to do to your son, it's going to be awful. You're going to hate it. And what's Vince supposed to say? He's like, well, that's why I set up the match, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the, writing, the writing is poor. The, the talent development is garbage. And somehow I'm going to wind up watching WrestleMania. Yeah, we all will. We're all going to be angry. That's the network for nine ninety nine. That's that's exactly why. That's it's okay. Exactly Don't worry. Why. Don't worry. Um, Undertaker will throw Shane into the the uh, Hell in a Cell. It won't go through. He'll tell them to do it again until it actually breaks. <laughs> I'm going to throw him in the cell, Vince. I hope you understand that you've put him in this match to get hurt, and I will hurt him. <laughs> well, okay. That sounds great, Undertaker. <laughs> so stupid. Just, uh, so dumb. 
quick tangent that just you don't have to respond to this, but I just have to say it. Why announce the Undertaker's coming out and then have him come out just to say his blood's in your hands and then have him walk away? No, no, well, one because, knows. no, because they have no, they don't put stock in writing anymore. Like they're they're just it's a PG product that they're willing to put anybody out there. They don't believe in heels and faces. They don't believe in writing storylines that last a good six seven. The last good storyline for WWE. Uh, was, in my opinion, uh, Jericho and Shawn Michaels a few years ago, where they had a good, long program for an entire year, and it was so well-written, and ah, that was fantastic. It, it's all been downhill since. All right. But what needs to be said, because you're, you're, again, right on with that whole thing. It's it's a mess, and then we're all going to watch it anyway. Yeah. And just cry. We're all, they're going to take our money, and we're just going to complain the next day. So who's really winning? The only one that's really winning is not NYCFC, not a documentary, surely not the Red Bulls, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is the only one winning. And he does it every day. Not even Charlie Sheen. Nope. Nope. No, 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 Charlie Sheen lost a long time ago. It's just Vince. That's he, it. he is the genetic jackhammer after all. That, yeah, well, of course, clearly. <laughs> Bring right. back the Mounties. Uh, <laughs> hey, Big Boss Man's getting into the Hall of Fame this year. Why not? No, I'm 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 okay with Bossman getting in there. I like his no, work. No, but as, uh, back to Mounties. Do you see the God, uh, Godfather's up there also? I mean, yep. it's, uh, it's an interesting class this year. Yeah, it is. All right, Dave. Before we rattle on anymore, and you get propositioned by another Asian hooker, um, <laughs> <laughs> where can, if people already don't know how to do it, where can they find you online? Uh, EmpireofSoccer.com. You can find me on Twitter, Empire of Soccer. As the guys know, I'm incredibly easily accessible. So. If you want to talk wrestling, you want to talk soccer, or, or you want to talk anything, reach out there. There you go. Sweet. All right. Uh, with that, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more Red Bull Rant right after this. Welcome back to Red Bull Rant. Uh, like always, we want to thank Dave for coming on to the show. Brother. Um, yeah, d- dealing with the trials and tribulations of uh, Queens there. Um, so the Red Bulls do have a game this coming Saturday. They will be taking on the Montreal Impact. Uh, that game is at 4 p.m. Eastern time uh, at Olympic Stadium or uh, Stade Olympic. I guess that's how you say it in French. I, I don't know French. Stade Olympique. There, you got to make it sound really obnoxious. If you can't read the signs because they're in French, do not ask people to translate because as far as I know, people in Montreal hate to speak uh, or to translate to English for you. Um, hey, parlez vous English? They're the worst. Um, so, uh, predictions. Time for that. Uh, Dave said he predicts a loss to the Red Bulls. Pat, we'll start with you. Do, do you agree with Pat? Or, <laughs> I do agree with me. <laughs> Let me tell you. Wow. There's one man in this world I agree with. It is <laughs> I I am blaming that on the fact that I've worked more than 32 hours so far this week. Because that was just terrible. <laughs> All, All right. right. So, do you agree with Dave in that the Red Bulls are going to lose on Saturday? 
Uh, I uh, do not actually. Um, you know, I, I think they will bounce back. Uh, I, I don't think they'll win, uh, but I do think they will. You know, the absence of Jaragba, I think, is huge in for Montreal, and uh, I, I do think the Rebels will rebound. Um, you know, they'll have. Hopefully, they'll. If you know, if Verone is not in the lineup, and I think all signs point to he won't be. Um, you know, they they revert back to what worked with the players they have on the field, which is the four two three one. Um, you know, Gorella is, I mean, Dave talked about it. Gorella is not, uh, that guy, uh, up top the way Verone is. So, um, you know, I hope they do that and I hope they, I, I don't see Jesse, uh, you know, toning it down at all to deal with injuries. They've relied on Wimet before, uh, and he's been okay. He's not been great, but he's been okay. Um, you know, and so I, I do think they will get, uh, they will take it to Montreal, um, I'm not going to say win, but I am going to say a 1-1 draw up in uh, Montreal. How did I know Pat was going to say 1-1 draw when I was going to say 1-1 draw? But this time, I'm keeping it 1-1. I'm not changed for anybody. Damn the standings. I, I don't care. Uh, I'm, I'm totally in lockstep with you. I think, though, I think they can definitely get a point out of here. Uh, I mean, they got to get a goal, right? They're not going to get shut out twice. I just don't see that happening. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more open of a game. Gideon Boss still back there, so I'm, you know, I'm in with getting a result here, and I think they're going to win uh, their second home game. So I think they can get the lawsuits draw, and they'll finally get a win, and then I think they're going to kind of get their uh, their feet underneath them. I, I would love to see my usual uh, since it would be up there one to four, but um, I can't do it because Thierry Henry is gone. Uh, in my heart, that's what I want to say. But mm. uh, yeah, I'm with Pat. No reason why you can't get uh, a point out of here. Uh, go home feeling happy and get out of uh, that terrible, terrible place that's not as Quebec. Quebecois. <laughs> Fun fact, they actually have underground tunnels in Montreal for when it does snow. Oh, I thought that was for when people wanted to get out of Quebec. Well, maybe for that too, but they, there is actually, like, if you for some reason want to stay in Montreal, you can actually stay in Montreal on the ground. That's fun fact for you. Um, I agree with you guys. It's going to be a draw. I am, however, going different. I'm going to say 2-2. Um, I think the Red Bulls will get a, off their scoring schneid, for lack of a better term, um, better than uh, just one goal. It won't be enough, though. Uh, even with that drug, but I have a feeling Montreal is going to be a really good team this year. Um, they got Harry Ship in a very surprised trade from Chicago. Because Chicago doesn't know how to hold on to assets that actually make sense for them, and uh, I, I can only imagine the team will get better once Drugby is there. And they did have a very impressive win over Vancouver in opening week, so I, I don't see Montreal slacking off too much. Um, not having Zubar in there for as much as he has had flubs in the past, I think will hurt because you are introducing a new player into a back line that still hasn't gelled to begin with, and. I see the Red Bulls, like I said last week, um, they had a really good preseason in terms of scoring. I think that's going to come back. Um, not great in terms of only being two goals, but it'll be at least enough to get a point on the road, which is not a bad result in MLS by any stretch of the imagination. What was your score? 2-2. Two, two. Okay. Hey, Pat. Yeah. Harry, Harry Ship. Harry Ship. He's a jobber. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he was a one-two-three kid before the key was the one-two-three kid. He was Marty Janetti through the barbershop window. Yeah. 
Going old school with the ref. Well, it's not even that old school, actually. It, it's old. It's old, Jay. We're just old. It's That's old, the problem. Old enough, I guess, is the way to say. It. Old enough. We're all in our thirties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Imagine that. Um. All right. So next up is the dumping ground. Anything you guys want to discuss that we haven't already? Well, how about the fact that Liverpool won two nothing over Manchester United today in the Europa first leg? I could talk about that, as you can. Pack and clearly see what's going on right there. Like yep. Rocking it. Rocking it today, my friends. And I got my <laughs> Liverpool slippers on, too. So, uh, What else is there to talk about? Anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, big going on? I suppose if uh, anyone knows of a good place to watch uh, the Red Bulls, especially since it's on MSG Plus down in Atlantic City, let me know. I've been suggested Tum Tavern by the uh, the uh, noble Mark, Mark Fishkin, so uh, I'm definitely going to check that out. But... Uh, if there's, if I have to stay close to trap, which I'm maybe the possibility, someone let me know if you know of a good place that has MSG Plus to watch the game. You mean the Red Bulls don't have a pub partner down there? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Although, That's a missed opportunity if I ever heard of one. Yeah, let me, let me let's look into this. Uh, New York Red Bulls <laughs> pub partners. I mean, not the, I, I imagine the pub partners would just be like, oh, you're here for soccer? Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. fuck off. Anyway. <laughs> But, I mean, it's worth a shot, right? Yeah, it seems, it seems like a good idea. All right, where are you pub partners on this thing? All right. right uh, well, well, he's looking. Uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's anything else I need to add. My, my, my work situation the last two weeks has been, like, insane. There's been at least, like, four days where I've stayed extra. So I am just, like, fried in most aspects of soccer. Like, I barely... Things are barely registering to me. Like yesterday, I don't think I watched Twitter at for the most part. I don't think I did anything when I got home. Like that's how much I've been working. So I have nothing else to add to the conversation. Uh, <clears throat> everyone who went to the game on Sunday, uh, they had the new uh, game day posters. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little scared of zombie decks. Yeah, he does look like a zombie. Right? Yeah. And Atlantic City. Atlantic you gotta City look at this poster. It's, it's scary looking. Yeah, yeah. Atlantic City has no pub partner, so, yeah. So that, that, that whole, uh, so if any, if some of you just double down on Ton and say, yeah, Ton's great, then I guess we'll just do that. But I would like a, you know, trap, so. Dax want pub partner! Wow, that really is a zombie Dax. Like I didn't. Like, look, I, I mean, I gotta give Jay a good look at, at this. Wow, <laughs> he's actually. That's, this is gonna be my new picture on our Google Hangouts. There you go. That, that would be. That, that looks like. <laughs> that looks like Dax McCarr, um like forty-eight hours into the Walking Dead scenario. <laughs> yeah, he's already starting to rot away a little bit. You can see all the pock marks. <laughs> Just deteriorating. Or, or that's or that's what he would be if he were um, taking like Rick's place, where he like just woke up and he's got like the bruises and stuff from the accident before everything went down. Carl, Carl, we met Carl. No, don't get not in the eye, Carl. Oh, I did not recognize that connection. Oh, bravo. <laughs> oh, Dax, Dax, I need you to say something to me right now. Prove you're human. <laughs> in the head. All right, now hold on. Here's here's a question. I, I I've read the Walking Dead comic books up. Uh, I think I'm like one volume behind. I gave up on the show. I think after season two or three, like whatever that the prison season was done. Mm-hmm. 
Did somebody actually say that? Like, prove to me you're a human? What was that? The, the line, Pat. You said, like, prove to me you're a human. Did somebody, like, actually oh, say I, that? I don't think so. Yeah, no, I think okay. I just made that up. Yeah. I was like, if somebody said that in The Walking Dead, that it's really far away from the comic books now. And... <laughs> <laughs> prove to me you're not a zombie. <laughs> Oh wait! I think that was uh, dude, that line was used, but not in Walking Dead. It was used somewhere. Uh, I think actually it was in uh, Community where uh, the dean was just like, "Yeah, yeah, that's what it was." He's like, "Troy, are you a zombie?" <laughs> yeah, that's right. In the, uh, the episode where he buys the um, the tainted meat, the, the tainted meat that. <laughs> The special forces code on it that when he spoke into a phone, just overdrunk the phone line. Ah, uh, community, such a good show. Uh, Why'd you have to go and screw it up with Yahoo Screen? <laughs> I never watched it, but I heard it was terrible. Oh, the season wasn't bad. The Yahoo Screen season wasn't bad. Okay. Yeah, the, the finale was fantastic. Of, of Yahoo Screen? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we have to watch that because it was like served as a series finale. And it was it was perfect. So I guess there's no movie coming. Uh, well, no, apparently. Watch community. And the movie is apparently coming, but I don't know when. Well, they, it was, what, six seasons in a movie was the tagline? So they got six seasons, so they got to do in the movie. This has been Talking Dead and Talking Community with the Red Bull Man. <laughs> Speaking of talking about soccer, uh, ESPN <laughs> Radio actually talks soccer. I uh, heard. I heard. After the game. And it I wasn't saw, I saw you tweet something about that, although yeah. I could not listen because I was not in the area. Yeah, I was in the car, and I was just like, uh, and I figured I'd keep listening since my friend had already blown the score to me. Um, so, you know, I just listened. They, they did a great job. I mean, they, they knew their stuff. Uh, it was uh, Andrew Gunling, who I think is usually a producer for, like, the K-Show, and some Irish dude. And, uh, yeah, they did a great job. It was uh, more of that. More of that in ninety seven, please. Please, especially on the weekends when there's nothing else going on in the fan. Yeah, or ESPN, like, what do they talk about on those channels? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. And and some uh, kudos to all the Rebel fans who called in. So, you know. Oh, no, the Rebel fans are actually dying for it. Hey, we have a listener email. Did you... Uh... Oh, God, thank you. Because I, again, my work has been just all over the place, and I completely forgot. I did... I actually did read it when you told me yesterday. Yeah, I, I, I can. Forgot. I got it up. I got it up. If you want me to. All right, you know what? Okay, yeah. All we, right. Let's let's actually have a listener email read by not me because that All would right. make a difference. So yeah, we got a listener email this week coming from uh, Jeff Howard, uh, and it says, "What's up, guys? First off, I absolutely love the play of Gideon Bond on his debut Sunday as a Red Bull. Realize I may be the minority in saying this, and I'm willing to take my shots for it, but I say Bob will have Red Bull Nation forgetting who Matt Miazga is by halfway through the season. Ooh, strong words. Yes, I'm that impressed, excited about him. Curious to hear your thoughts." Uh, do you want to do that or you want to do the second part? Well, we, we'll just say real quick that we definitely heap praise on Ba throughout this show. Absolutely. Um, so I think we're all in lockstep with that. Whether we forget about Matt Miazga, game one, we'll see. But, yeah. uh, like we said, an, a fantastic start for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I agree there. Uh, alright, so next part. Secondly, when Damian Perrinell returns, I would think he, I would think he would reclaim his starting spot over Zubar in the back line. And just the prospect of a Ba DP, Duo uh, Center is as sweet as the churros they sell on the concourse. Thanks, guys, and I look forward to listening to this week's episode. Jay, your take? Um, I I think it's a no-brainer at this point, right, that Parnell should get the starting spot when he comes back? I think he'll it's, definitely it's matter, ease his way in. I mean, it's obviously right. a matter of fitness, so he's not going to just come right back in and be like, hey, I'm, oh, it's unplugged, it doesn't seem to work. 
<laughs> I what just happened? learned that apparently. What happened? My microphone was unplugged. Ah. So I don't know how much of that you guys heard, so I will start again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, when Paramount comes back, he's should be getting the starter spot. It's not going to be as simple as, hey, I'm back, let me play 90 minutes. It's probably going to be like, I'm back, uh, I'll play 60 minutes, I'll come in on a, or maybe come in as a sub, and then obviously gradually work himself into the system, but... I think it's a no-brainer that once Pernell is healthy, that he will eventually take over the starting spot from Zubar once again. It's so tough to work in those center midfielders into a game. It's like the one spot where it's like... Center midfielders? Center defenders, sorry. Um, it's definitely like that position or bust. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I think there's so much that goes into this. We'll see how good... I mean, Zubar so far it looks all right this season. One, we'll see if he stays healthy. Right. Uh, and, and not suspended. <laughs> and not suspended. And Paranel, I mean, we'll see, you know, the guy is on the wrong side of 30, so we'll see how much that knee injury affected him um, and if he can get back to the level he was at last year. So I think there's a bunch of factors that play into this, um, but, you know, uh, we shall see. All right, anything else? I'm good. For the topic ground, no. Yeah, it's time for me to kind of start Bachelor Party Weekend, sort of. That's right, you got that thing to go to. Yeah. All right. Well, I do believe we close shop. I have to talk about my terrible team, right? Ah, terrible how, team. How, how can we forget? Because, because you didn't write up a uh, an agenda. I did, I did write up an agenda. I just haven't been looking at it. Yeah. Oh. I've been trying to figure out why my microphone sucks. Anyway. Well, I, well oh, that's right. You know what? Because the agenda I worked off of didn't have it on there. I, I apparently took it off by accident. Shame. So I will add it back right now. Boom. Tells as, I, as I tell you about the terrible week. team. Well, we certainly could give it to... Uh, Real Salt Lake, couldn't we? Oh, yeah. If you didn't see what happened, uh, two goals in the last, what, two minutes of a four-minute stoppage time down in Orlando, that is just a absolute sickening way to to uh, tie a game. But did it tie the game and did it lose? And the team you have to give it to is the team that was up one nothing at the half and then gave up four goals in a half, and that's your friends and ours, D.C. United. Getting absolutely housed in one half out in Los Angeles against the Galaxy. And that was, uh, one of the saving graces of the weekend since the Smurfs, uh, beat a terrible Chicago Fire team. Um, and Philly didn't lose as badly. But, uh, that was a wonderful nightcap to the MLS uh, opening weekend. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that that defense, uh, for NYCUC isn't going to bite them in the ass this season. No, not at all. Definitely won't. Well, Pat, it's just you and I, because, oh, there, Jay's back. I thought he went silent on us. I actually got up and left. I'm sure he's going to come back and say, well, guys, you know, I did work like 15 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I did, but no, I I, (laughs) I muted my microphone because I didn't want to cough into the microphone. Oh, I like this guy. See, I'm I'm considerate. considerate. (laughs) All right, um, so I believe that's it then, officially? Yes, that's it. Let's wrap this up. You can visit us at onesometro.com slash red hyphen bull hyphen rant. You can help us by going to patreon.com slash red bull rant and supporting the show. You can email us like Jeff Howard did by emailing us at red bull rant at gmail.com. Or if you want, you can call in and leave a voicemail to our voicemail line at 973-348-5329. Facebook.com slash red bull rant on Twitter at Red Bull Rant for the show, at Doc the Stooge for myself, at PMACD82 for Pat, at The Truman for Truman. Subscribe to our show via iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at SoundCloud.com slash Red hyphen Bull hyphen Rant. 
And a uh, quick note, we did get an email from a listener asking us to put the episodes back up on Stitcher. Uh, we are looking into why those episodes are not showing up. Um, hopefully we'll have that resolved in the next week or so. Um, so stay tuned if you want to listen to us on Stitcher. Um, last words before we get out of here. Uh, I don't have any last words, but I know someone who does. Mm, zombie Dex, Carl, we must win in Montreal. Yeah, I got nothing to win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for Pat Truman and myself, this was episode number 175 of the Red Bull Rant. Thank you guys for tuning in, and as always, go Red Bulls. Peace out. Lights.